This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code GEEKY at checkout. A better web starts with your website. The Incomparable, number 206, August 2014. Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about British TV. This is the episode where people from North America uh, see fit to judge television from that little island in Europe known as the United Kingdom. Uh, Joining me to uh, talk about Blighty and its programs, that's M-M. ES are my wonderful panel, Erica Ensign, expert in Doctor Who, a British program that we're going to just put on the board as a given, is here. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Thank you for giving me Doctor Who as a given because, yeah, everybody likes that, right? We just put that up there on the board. We talk about it all the time. Also here, Andy Anatko. Hi, Andy. Hello, Jason. Good to have you here. Good to be here. I'm, I'm glad. I'm also glad that Doctor Who was taken because it's it prevents me from having to cover up the fact that I've only seen four episodes, which I enjoyed greatly. Sure, but I've only seen four episodes. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's on the board. It's a given. You can catch up any time now. It's on the board. It's on the board. It's the free. It's the free space in the bringo card. It is. That's right. <laughs> well done. Monty Ashley is also out there. Hi, Monty. Hi. Speaking of Monty's, can we assume everybody knows about Monty Python's Flying Circus? Let's at this put point? it on the board. Put it on the board. There it is. Monty <laughs> Python's Flying Surface. Uh, sur- flying Surface. They took a, a Microsoft tablet and they threw it. That was Monty Python's Flying Surface. Okay. Monty, Monty Python's Flying Circus on the board. And I have not introduced David Lore. Hello. Hello, hello. Are there any other British shows we should put up there? Sherlock. We'll put Sherlock on the board. Put it, It's up there. We talked about <laughs> Sherlock a lot. Sherlock's on the board. Done and dusted. Uh, all right. So British TV. Um, I, I've been watching British TV since I was a kid. Um, my parents and I watched British TV on PBS um, when, you know, and I have fond memories of it and a show that I will probably mention later. And there's lots of great British TV on there. And now, and these days, back in the day um, in the U.S., PBS was the only place to get this stuff. And, uh, and uh, these days there is British TV all over the dial um, it's on BBC America, of course, it's on PBS, and it's on all sorts of other networks as well. Um, and I, I, my plan tonight was really that we would just kind of go around in something that's not quite a draft, but really is more of a go around and tell me a thing that you like, which is sort of a draft, but not. There's no point to it other than to talk about things we like. And I just also want to stipulate for all of those people who are very knowledgeable about British television that it is official incomparable policy that all British television is from the BBC. ITV, Channel 4, <laughs> Sky TV, BBC. When we say that it's on the BBC, we mean it's on British television. I know that it's not all on the BBC. I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, Channel 4 is BBC, Channel 4. ITV, BBC, ITV. <laughs> just, just all BBC to me. Blasphemy. Um, I just don't care. It's all because the it's all BBC. I'm an ugly American, and it's all on the BBC. There's one channel in the UK. It only broadcasts good things. All of the embarrassing things that they don't export don't exist. They don't exist. It's all good stuff, and it's only on the BBC, which airs roughly from about 10 a.m. to about 7 p.m. And then they go off the air, and there's a test pattern. That is my 
my crazy American view of British television. But it's all good. When it's on the air, it's all good. And then they go off and they have a little sign off. The queen comes on live from her palace and waves goodnight <laughs> and t- tucks everybody in. And then oh, they boy. go off the air. And that's it. As I am currently in the Commonwealth right now, I'm shaking my head at you, Mr. Snell. Fair enough. <laughs> no, no, see, we're, 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 here, we're, here to, we're here to give as much entertainment as possible to those of friends of us across the pond. And yes. we would be disappointing them if we denied them the opportunity to say, oh, you stupid gits. This, England yes. is England. Scotland is Scotland. Wales is Wales. And there's more than one TV channel, you know. And, of course, you would say it. And, uh, oh, damn, I missed an opportunity. I, I should have done that in a really bad British accent so you could then make fun of how americans try to have like one accent for all of great britain when they're actually regional but this is our gift to you make fun of us that we're americans and we think that we know what we know instead of trying to learn what we don't know oi we're north americans <laughs> we have no idea what we're talking about i just want this is our disclaimer portion which is because i know we're going to get responses from knowledgeable <laughs> english people who are going to say boy you guys have no idea what you're talking about uh, agreed and now on with the show <laughs> <laughs> what 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 do North Americans uh, like about British television? Things that things that we think that our listeners should seek out that you might not know about because they're not products of the uh, Hollywood television system, but they came to us from ac- across the pond. And by golly, or they wouldn't say by golly over there. I don't know what they would say, but you know, crikey, I don't know. They uh, you should watch them. They'd say feck, right? That's common in Britain. Okay. Ahoy, they'd say. No, they're not sailors. What is that? Um, anyway, so I, I thought I'd go around and see if you've got uh, shows that you would like to recommend to um, our great incomparable worldwide listenership uh, that are, are great and they're from England. And let's start with Monty. Do you have a suggestion for us? Uh, I would like to recommend kind of a cluster of really brilliant political satires, starting with Yes Minister, which aired in the 1980s, which was about Jim Hacker, a minister of parliament who's pretty much useless and feeble, and Sir Humphrey Appleby, played by the great Nigel Hawthorne, who was his uh, bureaucrat minder, who kind of controlled him and forced him to do what the bureaucracy wanted, not what the voters wanted. They were joined by Derek Fowles as Bernard Woolley, And it was a really entertaining show. It then turned into, yes, Prime Minister, when Jim Hacker somehow became Prime Minister. And spiritually, I'm going to claim, it led to a great show called The Thick of It. Ah, yes. Woo! Mm -hmm. (laughs) So good. Created by Armando Iannucci, mostly starring Peter Capaldi, who is going to be a doctor of some sort on an upcoming television show. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> as the whip for the prime minister who curses and bullies at lesser ministers. <laughs> <laughs> and taken together, these three shows, Yes Minister, Yes Prime Minister, and The Thick of It, show what politics is actually like and why you shouldn't expect much out of your politicians. I uh, I give you, I, I've seen some episodes of Yes Minister and, and hearty agreement on the thick of it which i've been watching because of peter capaldi because i heard so many great things about it and he was cast as a doctor of some sort and i thought i would go back and watch him and it's also if you've seen the hbo series veep that is that is largely 
the American extension with the same writers, I believe, almost entirely of the the thick of it. Thick of it's on Hulu Plus. You can you can see it there if you're in the U.S. and it's great. And so you know, Capaldi is great as this frightening operative, political operative, but also some <laughs> of the hapless members of Parliament who are who who he chews up and spits out over the course of various seasons are so wonderful as they are terrible and bad at their jobs and destroyed that it's a very funny show. And I'd like to give a special note for the book versions of Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister, which are practically unique in the world of book adaptations of television shows, because they might be better than the show. Instead of just taking the scripts and printing them, the books are in the form of the diaries of the characters. So you get extra thoughts, you get more framing devices, and even if you haven't watched the show, you can sit down with the book of Yes, Prime Minister and really, really enjoy yourself. Great. Those are great choices. Um, yeah, Thick of It, is a, that, was a, that was a natural. I don't know if anybody else wants to jump, jump in and say <laughs> things about the Thick of It. That is such a, such a hilarious and crazy show. It is definitely worth watching, especially if you're excited about Peter Capaldi being on Doctor Who because um, – then you, when you see him and Doctor Who, you'll say, wow, he's not swearing nearly as much. <laughs> um, David, Laura, what do you have for us? Well, uh, I'm going to pick one of my very favorite panel shows, QI, which stands for Quite Interesting. Um, I came across it by accident years and years ago uh, just because it's hosted by Stephen Fry. And I went, hey, Stephen Fry. And it's it's a wonderful show. It was created by John Lloyd, who, if you know anything about British comedy in the last 35 years, uh, you know, he was instrumental in Hitchhiker's Guide, in the radio, and then in the TV version. Uh, he co-wrote The Deeper Meaning of Liff with Douglas Adams. Uh, he, he is sort of uh, shepherded a lot of comedy over the years. And he wanted to do this show called QI, where... Uh, you have four panelists, mostly comedians, sometimes actors, sometimes just prominent people in Britain. And uh, he asks them questions that are blindingly obvious. And someone gives the blindingly obvious answer and a klaxon goes off and all the lights flash. And then he explains why the obvious answer is completely wrong. And it's another one of these shows where the points don't matter, but you get points you get points if you get a the right answer you get points if you have an interesting or funny answer and really it's not about points it's not about uh even the comedy so much as just sharing these really really bizarre things that you thought you knew and you didn't um and it's just it's it's hilarious and i think they're up to each season is themed on a letter each series i'm sorry series Yes, we're proper British right now, so it's a series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I think they're up to L. I think L is the next series. Mm. And uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And the more I watched it, the more I started saying, why isn't this on over here? And and I actually contacted John Lloyd and I said, you know, I'm, I'm dying to watch this legally. And, um, <laughs> and, and he said, we've been trying for years. Nobody will put it on in America because they all say it's too intelligent. It's too intelligent for American audiences. So, 
But there are some episodes on Hulu. Uh, there are many more um, in illicit pockets of the available on the internet. On the internet, yes. <laughs> uh, if if you are able to access the BBC iPlayer on the web or or the iPlayer app, you can watch it when it's running current episodes. Mm. Um, it is just just a lot of fun. All right, great QI. Um, Erica, what about you? What do you have for us? Doctor Who stipulated. <laughs> Doctor Who itself is stipulated, yes. However, <laughs> I need to fulfill my con- contractual obligation uh, to cover the Doctor Who quotient. And since you already took that off the table, I'm, I'm going to pull a little bit of a, a Monty here and uh, put some, some spiritual siblings together uh, as my f- sort of first pick and pick the two good spinoffs of Doctor Who. No, that is not Canine and Company, you guys. Canine and Company and I don't even know what. The... The Leela Adventures. Mm. No, go ahead. Instead, I'm instead I'm, I'm going to be unusual, and I'm going to pick Torchwood and the Sarah Jane Adventures. Uh, and and I, I like putting the two of them together like this because there's a little bit of something for everybody. If you like the sort of harder edged, you know, adult type thing, that would be Torchwood. The first two seasons of which are sometimes adult just for the sake of being adult Mm -hmm. it feels like but i think at the same time they are still uh, fun there's there's a lightheartedness to the first couple seasons that i really enjoy excuse me series is that i really enjoy and um uh, then the third series is actually, it was kind of a mini series. It was just five episodes one day after the next, after the next. And it was called Chil- Torchwood Children of Earth. And it is, I think, still if my favorite five consecutive episodes of television ever. Um, but it is insanely dark. It is really, really, really dark. It's about b- b- children. <laughs> and, and bad things happen to these children. Also, Peter Capaldi is in that. And it doesn't go well. Doesn't go well for Peter Capaldi. He is fantastic. He, he that is the reason. I mean, I love the thick of it, but I didn't seek that out until after I knew he was cast. So, uh, Torchwood Children of Earth is the reason that I was so excited to see him come in and play the Doctor because I, I he has such amazing range and ability to emote. Uh, and there was also a fourth series of Torchwood called Miracle Day, but the less said about that, the better. I think. Um, <laughs> so bad. Yeah. But if you uh, if you veer to the other side and you just you really kind of like things that are still good storytelling, still very exciting adventure, but a little bit more on the lighthearted, uh, childish kind of side, that would be the Sarah Jane Adventures, which is the the spinoff starring um, Liz Sladen, who played the lovely Sarah Jane, who was one of my favorite companions from the age of five on up. And she teams up with uh, some middle school children to save the earth repeatedly from monsters and aliens and that sort of thing. And and I know some people aren't a big fan of it simply because it's aimed at kids. So there's definitely not as much of a hard edge. But if that kind of thing doesn't bother you, it's it's still really great storytelling. And it's very much like, I would say that it's more like Doctor Who than Torchwood is. I would say the Sarah Jane Adventures is, is Doctor Who light, whereas Torchwood is... It's just sort of its own thing that happens to tangentially take place in the Doctor Who universe. And I think they're both great. I'd say Sarah Jane Adventures is actually a lot like the old 
classic Doctor Who if it was on today. It is it is definitely geared toward children. It's these short twenty five minute multi you know two part episodes that they are two part stories that they tell and and uh, it's definitely a kids show, but it's definitely got. Um, it's sweet. It's 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 a lot of fun, and it's a shame because Liz Slayton passed away, and they uh, they didn't get a chance to sort of properly wrap it up. But um, it's a lot of fun. I actually have to admit there were there are only a few episodes in the final season, and I have not watched them yet because I just can't bring myself to do it. Because once they're once they're done, they're done. Yeah. Whereas Torchwood, yeah, you're you're totally right about that last season of Torchwood series of Torchwood, whatever it was in American co-production. We call it a season. It wasn't. It wasn't good. Uh, Children of Earth. I don't really like the end. I thought the last episode kind of fell apart, but those first four episodes are amazingly good. So, it's a very X Files kind of show. It's like X Files meets Doctor Who, and it is got. It does have some really funny moments too. Yeah, and I I do agree that the last the end of it was the weak the weak point, but I still liked it enough. I liked the the rest of it enough that I was kind of still coasting on the the top of that wave. I always got mad at the people on Torchwood because there's a they're a tiny team, they're charged with practically protecting the entire planet, and they spend so much time sleeping with each other and pointing guns at each other. It is the <laughs> least professional organization I've ever seen. They're so dysfunctional, it's ridiculous. They're just all bad at their jobs, but it's fun to watch. Get it together, people. You gotta save the world. No time for this stuff. Oh. That's all they do is have time for that stuff. <laughs> all right, Andy, it's your turn. What do you have for us? Uh, I just finished binge-watching Foil's War. And it was one of those series where I realized that, wow, how dumb I am. I could have been watching this series as early as, like, 10 years ago. But dopey me, I only discovered it about three or four weeks ago. It's a really great mystery show. Uh, and because of the context of where the stories take place, it takes place in 1940, 1940s England. Uh, specifically, starts in like 19. The, the first series starts in 1940 at the very start of the war. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, Chief Superintendent uh, Foyle is, of course, in charge of you know investigating murders that are happening in this English Channel facing town at a time when regular policing is kind of taking a back burner to just defending the nation against a, a German invasion that everyone believes is going to happen anytime now like in the very first series things are so tense that he's investigating he's investigating a murder and he's talking to someone who's basically he knows that okay I know that you're involved in this some here and you need to co- co- cooperate with me and he says flat out well look everybody knows that like the German invasion is on and they're going to be here in four days by, uh, by that time you you will have been taken out and shot and I think I can do, I can have a better time dealing with whatever German they have running the town in four days time so I'm not going to help you do squat uh, it's so nicely done not only because of this sort of disconnect of how he, he can he can know exactly who's done it but maybe someone in the military is going to come down and say yeah but he's in he's real this this person who's been who you've uh, who you've uh, accused of racketeering he really is very important in getting things moving from point a to point b so we're going to have to ask you not to prosecute him and rather than do this really lame thing where they, he finds a way to subvert all that he just has to you know he has to eat dirt and, and and take it because of the times even though he's desperately unhappy with the way that things are going in in a broader sense i love the fact that these are 90 minute episodes they remind me a lot of columbo 
in that mm. there's so much there, there's there's so much time to deal with every episode that they have time to do lots of little character scenes that you know that not every scene has to do with the with the solving of the crime they can just have have a 10 minute spread across an hour about how hungry this person is and how when the when a, a <laughs> when a racketeer racketeering ring is broken up and there is a fully dressed turkey that's been seized as evidence and everybody's looking at this turkey in the evidence locker calculating the amount of time it's going to how many days have to go by before it will be so spoiled that it can't be eaten and trying to work on on foil and say look can we just like take a picture of it and that will be the evidence of can we just eat the it's a shame to let this turkey go we haven't had this kind of fresh in in, in, in years and the, the other great thing is especially when you're talking about navigating a mystery when you have a uh, when you have a show like uh, like House or, or Monk, you know that you you have so much experience with these little forty two minute dramas that you know that if the detective like happens to meet so if if they happen to have a conversation with uh, a a custodian at the high school where the murder happened and this person has more than three lines, you know that okay they would not have wasted two and a half minutes <laughs> on a conversation with yep. this guy who just who just says oh well you know I'm I'm just here on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I'm just here. I'm just old Muley the broomsmith. Don't mind me. You know that he's going to be either the key witness or he's the guy who did it. Right. That's the law of the economy of characters. That's a classic. So there's a lot of disorientation. There's a lot of freedom to do all kinds of other things. And the last thing is that I love these shows that give you sort of a backdoor education on history or a certain time. Now, this isn't here to teach history, but nonetheless... You know, there's a there's a just a street scene in which everybody is in period dress and they're walking down the street, and you notice that oh gee, everybody seems to be carrying a little cardboard uh, rectangular box on a string around their shoulders, and I wonder what that's all about. And then you realize that oh, those are gas masks. Nobody wants to leave their house unless they're carrying a gas. Oh, wow, that that's an intense part of that, that's an intense, intense time to be to be alive in 1940 in uh, in Britain. So Foyle's War also, I and mean, we mentioned Sherlock earlier, this is a very similar format where it's the long episodes and there aren't very many of them per, per series. Um, it's a very similar format to Sherlock where it's like a little bunch of little movies. Yeah, I think, I think the last series is actually three episodes. I've been watching them on Amazon Prime. And it's like uh, binge watching me. Oh, okay. I'm episode three now. Episode four. Oh, wait. There is no episode four. No. Okay. No. Still being made though. Still, still, still being made. All right. Foyle's War. Good one. Time to take a break to talk about one of our sponsors. It's Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. You may be saying to yourself, you know, I'm not a supercomputer genius. I don't know how to build my own website. You may actually be saying, I am a supercomputer genius. I know lots of things, but one of the things that I'm not totally up to speed on is web design and the latest web technologies, and I don't want to be bothered. Maybe I do some of that in my day job, but when I want to make this website for my side business or the project that I'm working on for a family member or or something that you're working on with a friend, some plan to like take over the universe or something, and you need a website for that because you got to have a website and a t-shirt for everything. Squarespace doesn't do t-shirts, but they do websites. This is what Squarespace is. They make it simple and easy to build websites. You don't have to know this stuff. There are beautiful designs, these pre-formatted templates that look gorgeous and they are responsive, so they work on mobile as well as desktop. And they're all modifiable. They're customizable. You can start with a blank page and build your own Squarespace templates. 
You can modify the templates that are there. Uh, their tools are really easy to use as well. They've got drag and drop content tools. Uh, there's great support if you get stuck, if you, again, as I said, are not a complete master of all things web design and web development. There's 24-7 support through live chat and email. They've got support located all over the globe. That's why the people are not like talking to you in the middle of the night all the time, even if it's the middle of the night where you are. It's not necessarily where they are because they've got great support, New York City, Dublin, and other places around the world. Uh, and plans are affordable, which is another great thing about Squarespace. You hear us all talking about Squarespace on podcasts, and you think this is this giant monolithic corporation. They are going to suck like $500 a, a day out of my wallet, and it's not true. Plans start at $8 a month, and if you sign up for a whole year, they will register a free domain name for you. So that's just on the house for signing up for a year of Squarespace, and plans are cheap. Uh, now, also, if you want to sell things, let's say you're not taking over the world yet, but you do need to sell things on the internet as part of your plan to take over the world. Well, Squarespace comes with an online store. It's not some weird uh, like bonus thing that you have to graft on from some other source. It comes with an online store. You just get it when you sign up. So I, I think I've made my point here. If you are a supervillain or superhero, quite frankly, Squarespace can serve you. If you're selling things on the internet, Squarespace is for you. If you're a super genius or you're just a regular person, doesn't matter, Squarespace is the one for you. And here's how you get started. You get a free trial and 10% off. Visit squarespace.com, enter offer code geeky. That's referring to me, not to you. You are a fine, handsome, upstanding individual. Anyway, offer code geeky at checkout. Squarespace. A better web starts with your website. And thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting me Incomparable. Uh, it's my turn. I am going to... I have so many to choose from. Oh, my God. How long can we be here? Um, it's a special eight-hour episode. <laughs> episode one. Yeah. So uh, part one of the BBC, and it's all BBC. Again, I'm just saying. Uh, actually, this is... I don't even know what what, uh, what what channel is this on. I'm just going to say the BBC. Um it is a BBC show. It's That Mitchell and Webb Look, featuring yeah. <laughs> David Mitchell and Robert Webb. This is a fantastic sketch comedy series. It is perhaps my favorite sketch comedy series of all time. These um, uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb are a comedy duo. They starred in the uh, sitcom Peep Show, which a lot of people like and I kind of don't like so much. But Mitchell and Webb, uh, That Mitchell and Webb Look, this uh, this series, which, is, which airs... Uh, semi-regularly you can find it on i think bbc america in the u.s and there are lots of great clips on youtube where you can go check it out and it, it's been on netflix too yeah yeah and you should go you should check it out it is a great set of of sketches um number wang is a good one it is the most nonsensical and complicated <laughs> game show ever there is the uh there's the game show that is after the um, after the incident, which is uh, there's been a, a holocaust that nobody wants to talk about, and they have a sort of really very sad game show um, that generally just reminds you to remain indoors. And then lots of other great Sir Digby Chicken Caesar, the homeless uh, 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 homeless guy who wanders around and thinks he's a, a secret agent and uh, has like a a, a chest mounted camera. So the whole everything he does is in this weird perspective shot. That's really great. Just some great TV bits, some great character bits. Um, a fantastic 
group of actors who are on the show with them, most notice, most notably Olivia Coleman and Patterson Joseph. Um, really funny and the best single, um, I think, comedy bit about sports I've ever seen, which is their, uh, their bit uh, advertising the uh, – it's basically parodying Sky TV's football coverage. Um, and you should check out that clip on YouTube because the Mitchell and Webb football bit is – inspired anyway i I, oh it's brilliant i could not i I, it is yeah it is my favorite uh tv sketch show i think maybe okay well monty python's in the hall of fame so we'll let it go but this is a great show (laughs) they they, and 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 these guys are um are really versatile and fun and they've got a great supporting cast so i highly recommend that you seek out that mitchell and webb look and there's a doctor who connection yes they were robot voices in Right, in Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. They also starred as the Mac and the PC in the British uh, Mac versus PC ads. Yes, they were the British Mac and PC. That's that is great. absolutely right. Um, <laughs> it's great. And so, yeah, definitely check it out. So that Mitchell and Webb look. And they also do uh, that Mitchell and Webb sound, which is a radio version, where sometimes they try out sketches before they do them on the, the TV version. But a lot of them are unique to the radio because they wouldn't work on in visual. So, so well worth looking for. That's number wang. Das ist number one. <laughs> and and since you since you have uh, have gotten number wang, David Monty gets to go next. Monty, what do you have? <laughs> um, well, I don't think we're being nerdy enough, so I'm going okay, to explain to everybody that they need to watch Spaced. If you haven't watched Spaced, you're a fool. And we could practically put that on the board, but if Dan Moran's not here, so go ahead. Uh, Edgar Wright directed it. It's written by Simon Pegg, mm-hmm. and it has nick frost in it so the first thing you notice is that it's the same people as in the cornetto trilogy yes but it's also everybody that's doing british comedy these days right jessica stevenson is in that who is now uh jessica hines right and and she co-wrote it yeah with uh with simon Pegg. doctor who connection there too so well my theory and i'm using space to jump off from this is that um England is a very small country, and there's only so many people that you can put in your show. There's only about so, 10 actors in England. People don't know this, but there's really only 10. And so when you see that that guy in Doctor Who, and then he's on Sherlock, and, and then he's on Space, you're like, oh, well, I mean, they have to reuse actors because there's only about 10. Exactly. You watch Space, and you say, who's this neat guy with the deep voice? Well, that's Peter Serafinowicz, and he's also on Look Around You, and he's also on Black Books, and he's on everything, because everybody's on everything. Yeah. <laughs> but specifically spaced um it's great it's directed interestingly it's about nerds it is if you like the incomparable i am confident you would like space <laughs> and you need to be watching it <laughs> yes i think that i think that's exactly right if you like the incomparable you need to watch spaced yes that's a great one that's i think that's dan moran's favorite tv show it might be Serenity's favorite TV show too. It's definitely up at the top for both of them too. So that's great. Spaced. You can't you can't go wrong with spaced. David, what do you have in the second round of the thing that is not a draft? <laughs> David, what do you have for us? <laughs> well, I am gonna sort of lump a couple of things together. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Because I'm I'm a big fan of spy TV shows. Ah, uh, yes. And I I grew up on several of them, but then I want to lead into, like, a slightly different spy series. Mm. Growing up, I watched the Avengers and the new Avengers, which isn't quite as good. But, I, you know, I loved them. I uh, grew up watching Secret Agent 
And then, of course, The Prisoner, uh-huh. which we could do a whole episode about all by itself. We should and at some point, yes. And, and one of these days. And, um, you know, they're all, I mean, The Prisoner is a little more serious and Secret Agent is a little more serious. But they're, they're all in a similar kind of 60s spy vein. Uh, but the one I really wanted to mention, which doesn't get as much attention over here at least, is a series from the late 70s called The Sandbaggers which is much more in that sort of John le Carre, Smiley's People mold. And Greg Rucka, who does the, the comic and graphic novel uh, Queen and Country, has said that that was pretty much the inspiration. It's, it's almost the same kind of structure to the organization, and they use similar terms. And, I mean, I don't want to say it's more realistic. I mean, it's it's obviously fiction. But... It's a much more procedural. It's there, there aren't car chases. There aren't action scenes. There, the, everybody's bitter, and they smoke a lot and they drink a lot of coffee, and stuff happens and people die, and it's it's kind it's kind of like a, a complete one eighty from the light froth fun of the Avengers. So, but but I recommend all of them. See, I thought you were going to go with Spy, and you went a totally different direction. <laughs> than spy if you haven't seen spy you won't you won't know that what that is but maybe people will mention i've seen i have seen spy all right it's a very different show and not really about spies anyway maybe we'll get to that erica what do you have <laughs> and this is doctor who related is this going to be blake seven are you going to pick blake seven <laughs> i will admit that blake seven is somewhere on my list but that is not what <laughs> okay. i'm going with here. all right all right <laughs> Um, I'm going to do another kind of two for one because it's two shows that I like sort of for the same reason. You know, if this was a draft, this would be cheating. See, I know it's not a draft that I feel empowered (laughs) to do this. (laughs) Anyway, the first one is uh, Monarch of the Glen, which is sort of a a charming pastoral Scottish show that's loosely based on uh, Sir Compton Mackenzie's Highland novels. Uh, They were set in the 1930s and 40s, but uh, the show actually ran from like 2000 to 2005 and and was sort of set in in modern day times and uh it's it starts out being about this city boy who kind of gets suckered into sticking around um to try to restore his his childhood home in in the scottish highlands and he doesn't really want to be there and you know it's it's the the city boy getting used to the country life again thing and it's 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 just kind of quirky and cute and charming and then the final two seasons uh well actually in the beginning of the show richard Briers, uh, who is a very well-known british actor who was in uh doctor who he was in paradise towers he's he's a he's the infuriating curmudgeonly old old father uh and then later on that the sort of old fellow role is taken over by none other than tom baker the fourth doctor himself uh he comes in and plays that character's brother for the last couple of seasons and things are kind of falling apart plot wise by by that time but it's fun to watch tom baker being He's kind of just being Tom Baker, to be perfectly honest, but it's really fun to watch. So uh, I, I recommend it. Uh, when I watched it, it was on Netflix. Um, I don't know if it still is. Uh, things are a little different here in Canada, but I would I would recommend searching that out. And the other one that I like for sort of similar reasons, because it's it's pastoral and charming and quirky, is a show called Born and Bred. And it was a, a British drama that aired right around the same time. It was 2002 to 2005. Um, and it is, it's another one that just has a bunch of these sort of 
countrified characters that are a little bit strange and a little bit silly. Um, and this is a show that I, I get teased mercilessly for, for liking every time I run into Rob Shearman at a convention because he tells me I'm, I'm dumb and wrong for, for liking it, despite the fact he wrote one of the episodes. Uh, but he... <laughs> still, he still thinks it's very silly. Um, so it's it's a, a father and son who run a cottage hospital uh, in this fictional Lancashire village in the 50s. Uh, so this one's got a little bit more of the old school charm in it. And it's it's just adorable. So if you if you like that sort of pastoral type cutesy show, I I highly recommend both of those, Born and Bred and Monarch of the Glen. Right. And Monarch of the Glen is on Netflix even now. For those in the U.S. who would like to watch it. I should say Born and Bred was actually um, created and written, mostly written by Chris Chibnall. So there's another Doctor Who connection there, Chris Chibnall, who is uh, the wrote quite a few things that a lot of people aren't fond of. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, that's true. Andy, <laughs> what do you have for us? Uh, another f- another great pick from PBS uh, Myster- <laughs> Mystery Theater, uh, Cadfile which I burned through about five or ten years ago. This is another really great mystery series because it's a, the twist is, is, once again, because it's in interesting times and interesting circumstances. Uh, the lead character is Brother Catfile, a, a monk in an abbey, uh, a, a, a monk at, 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 uh, during uh, medieval times, the 1100s, uh, and at a, in a town that's sort of at that precipice of about to become a much bigger town because it's at like a crossroads where travelers come from. The, the, the monastery is a very, very big deal for commerce and for people to cut pilgrims to come on religious quests. Uh, and so a lot of things are happening. There's also like a, uh, there's also a big, a lot of political intrigue because, uh, there is a, a big fight for, for the crown of England. And so politically people coming through might be backers of, uh, of Empress Maud, another one might be uh, Emperor, uh, backer of King Stephen, and people are trying to put people into the monastery. The, the higher ups at the at the religious order are trying to put their own political allies in positions of power. But the big deal, though, is that the lead character is the detective, so to speak, is Brother Cadfile. And although most of the people, most of the monks in the monastery are people who had been uh, placed there as teenagers or when they were in student age, they basically got the calling to God very, very early. Cadfile is unique because he was a soldier in the Crusades. He was a sailor. He only got the calling in his 40s. And so on the bad side, that means that a lot of the people who had been there, who've been uh, taken up the hood for about 20 or 30 years, kind of looked down on him as sort of a monk come lately. Uh, At the other hand, he has experience in the greater world. He is a much better judge of human nature than these people who have never really lived in the real world. He has experience and learning from the outside world. And this is why, like the abbot of the monastery, often who's quite quite sharp, often leans on him to say that, yeah, we need, well, we need a delegation to go visit this other church to have this sort of conversation about what we're going to do about this money that's coming in or this political thing. I'm assigning, I'm, I'm, I want you to travel with them because these other five people are kind of dopes. And if someone, if, if the other delegation, someone says to him, yes, uh, I, I heard an angel uh, came and visited me last night and said that the really valuable holy relics that are at your monastery should be in our monastery instead. And that's what the angel sent by God said. 
uh, Cadfile is the first one to say, "Yeah, right. Uh, that's totally. That's I'm sure that's totally what happened." Uh, he's he's mostly solving crimes, murders, and stuff like that. And this is a time where you know there's there's no green lasers, there's no computers that he can say that one move move twenty degrees and enhance. Yes, I can see the 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 date on the signet ring in this photograph. He has to really work these things out like very uh, quite manually. And the other, but the other thing though is that. Although he is worldly, he is still legitimately religious. So it's often really interesting to see how he uh, how he applies his faith in God and his faith in a higher order and a higher power with the reality of the world around him. There's so, there are several times when he actually suggests, "Well, why don't we perform this religious rite to see what happens there?" There's one. Uh, there, there's one. Uh, uh, there's, there's, there's one. Uh, it's not these hour and a half long uh, shows again. But there's one that's compli- a complicated uh, claim of rights against these religious relics, and it's they belong to the monastery. They've been asked. To, another monastery has asked, "Can we look? We've been wiped out by a flood. Can we borrow these relics for one year? The pilgrims will come to our monastery. They will give alms, and we'll be able to rebuild our monastery." Meanwhile, there's a third uh, kind of opportunist who said, "Oh well, look. If you're tra- if if Princess Winifred's relics are traveling, I want to lay a claim. You know, actually, again, my my little monk here said that he's got he was visited by an angel who said that they should belong to us too. And so the way to the way to solve this problem, believe it or not, is okay. We're gonna have we're gonna put the Bible on a stand. We're gonna re- we're gonna ran- each one each one of these three people who has a claim to the relics are going to randomly open it to a page while blindfolded and randomly put their finger down on a passage of scripture. And whatever that scripture says is going to indicate God's God's thoughts about your claim to the uh, to the relics. And one of them is again pin the tail on the donkey, blindfolded, turned around three times, randomly uh, goes to a random page and quotes from scripture: "I where I am, you can seek me, but you shall not find me. Where I am, you can never be." And then he immediately turns on the uh, turns on the the the, the monk in his ab- in his his monastery who claimed to have the vision. Up, oh, he's a liar. He's a, he speaks the devil's word. I have I, I distance myself from him. But all things. And the, then the the the, the uh, Cadfile's uh, abbot does the riffle in point and says, "You have not you have not asked you have not looked for me. However, I have looked for you." Like ah, good. So we get to keep the relics. So there's this real nice, cool disconnect between what amounts to forensics and amounts to well, look, there's something that doesn't make sense. We have to unravel this and make sh- and see why this doesn't make sense. There's a way that we can figure out where these 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 hairs came from. There's a way that we can sort of figure out where these bones came from if we melt down all the skin from it and try to reconstruct the skeleton but there's still this religious aspect to it so uh, it's it's kind of like, i like it for a lot of the reasons why i liked uh why i liked uh foils war because it seems like there's so few fresh ways to present a mystery and when you put it in a totally different time and a totally different con- context it's almost like that's disruptive enough to your own brain that you could really see these things fresh again so there's like maybe a half dozen of these on DVD. They're on Netflix too, and they're like they're like little movies. Great actors, great great scenery, great stuff. All right, great. And that's Derek Jacobi, who, as as every British actor, has been contractually obligated to appear in Doctor <laughs> Who. So we'll move on to that was a good one. Uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to choose a a uh, uh, six part miniseries. So it won't, they only did one series, but it's fantastic. It's from 2003. It's um, Directed by David Yates, who went on to direct many, uh, many, uh, I think, Harry Potter movies. And then he wanted to direct the Doctor Who movie. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. And uh, made to proclaim that fact, even though nobody else would let him. Um, State of Play. 
is what it's called. It's got a fantastic cast. This is the, I would say this is my favorite work of uh, fiction about journalism. Uh, it stars um, John Sim from TV's Doctor Who. You may know him as the master from TV's Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, he is a reporter. He's Cal. He is a kind of scuzzy um, reporter for a newspaper in London. Um, he's friends with a member of Parliament, David Morrissey, from TV's Doctor Who, by the way, as well as uh, Blackpool, which is also another great show. Um, David Morrissey is a, a member of Parliament who has a questionable uh, – he may, may have had an indiscretion in his marriage that may or may not be related to uh, a, a mystery. There's a, a, a murder of a kid in London that seems completely unrelated, and yet it will blossom into a shocking scandal that will – um, potentially lay low the British government and also potentially qu- uh, threaten the livelihood of the newspaper itself. Kelly MacDonald has the most uh, delightful and attractive Scottish accent I have ever heard. And Bill Nye <laughs> is the publisher of the newspaper and a very painfully young James McAvoy is a new reporter on the desk at the newspaper. And it is a complicated story with a lot of fascinating elements and uh, goes to a perhaps ridiculous conclusion at the end, but you know what? I, I love I love the whole thing. It was remade into a movie starring Brad, no Russell Crowe, not Brad Pitt, Russell Crowe. Um, <laughs> I I haven't seen that movie. I don't know why you'd need to see that movie. See the six part uh, original British TV series State of Play. It is fantastic. Uh, Bill Nye, by the way, also appeared in tv's doctor who anyway um that's what i recommend state of play it is fantastic where can we find that because that sounds good i want to see it it's been on it's been on the television many times because i saw it on the television um just your your local tv it's it's certainly on dvd i don't know i don't think it's on netflix right now but you should seek it out it is uh, the british miniseries it's widely available it was distributed pretty well in the u.s and other north american countries presumably as well and uh, i highly recommend it it is spectacularly good so that's it state of play let's go around again monty what do you have well because i love books i'm going to talk up a show that's very spaced adjacent but is not spaced it's black books it stars Dylan Moran, an Irish comic who has never been on Doctor Who, as far as I know. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Nope. Uh, he plays Bernard I ho- I hope, Black. I hope they never check that guy's paperwork, because if they find out he was never on Doctor Who, oh boy, the penalties on that. <laughs> well, he's Irish, not English, so I think he's allowed. He plays Bernard Black, a drunken, abusive owner of a bookstore who hates selling books. <laughs> <laughs> most of the used bookstores I've been in in most college towns. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, he is assisted by Manny, who's played by Bill Bailey, who is a stand-up comic who has been on Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And the and Tamson Grieg, who plays Fran, she's also been on Doctor Who, and she owns the store next door. That's pretty much the whole show. Uh, when you get into later series, more people start showing up, like Peter Serafinowicz and Simon Pegg. But mostly it's just about Dylan Moran and Bill Bailey and Tamsin Grieg bouncing off of each other and Dylan Moran being hilariously drunk and abusive to people who just want to buy books from him. (laughs) And it's just great. If you've ever been in a tiny bookstore where you walk in and the person just hates you on sight, 
<laughs> you will know this show. That's great. Black books. All right. Put it on the board. David, did you know there's a board? There's a board and it's on it now. David, what do you have? Um, aside from Law and Order UK, which is the British Law and Order. Starring uh, Freema Adjigman, who you may know from TV's Doctor Who, and Peter Davison, who you may know from TV's Doctor Who. Anyway, go ahead. And and written by Chris Chibnall. You may know that from TV's Torchwood and TV's Doctor Who, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're on the BBC. <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long to get here, so I'm going to do it. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which is only six episodes long. Uh, it's it's kind of nuts. It's a very meta show. It's it's the entire thing is basically a flashback, a rediscovered classic show from the eighties, and the the whole thing is sort of narrated and given context by the actors who appeared in it, as well as the writer and creator and star and director Garth Marenghi, who's kind of if you took Stephen J. Cannell and Harlan Ellison and shoved them together. Um, it's, it's a little, it's as disturbing as that sounds. And so he's this egomaniacal, brilliant, bad writer. And well, I guess in a touch of Stephen King, um, and, and much worse than any of them. I mean, they're all like good. And, uh, it's, it's, it is possibly the best worst show you've ever seen (laughs) because of course the show they're remembering, you know, they're remembering it like it was God's gift to, uh, television and then they show you the clips from it and it is the worst cheapest looking thing uh, I mean it is it is just brilliant and it it co-stars uh, Matt Berry who you might know from uh, TV's The IT Crowd um, and I don't know if he's been in Doctor Who that's a good question uh, and Richard Ayoade from TV's The IT Crowd but he also uh, was involved in directing it and he's also directed episodes of Community and um, and it's just, and, uh, oh, I mean, I can't say enough about it. I think the only place to find it right now is on DVD, but I, the first place I saw it was on, um, uh, I think it was on BBC America and then it ran on Adult Swim for a couple of cycles. Uh, so it pops up out there, uh, but it's well worth finding. And then the, the sort of tangential spinoff, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Man to Man with Dean Lerner, which is Richard Ayoade's character, interviewing the actor who was Garth Marenghi. But in each episode, he's a different character. So it's it's sort of like this one-on-one interview show with these really insane people. All right. That's great. I've never... I love it when there are things I've totally never heard of. So that, that was one of them. That's good. Erica, what do you have next? All right. My next pick, I'm kind of going in a slightly different direction is called Hotel Babylon, which is something that I kind of randomly discovered on Netflix uh, a while ago. And it's it's a British show about a hotel called Hotel Babylon. And I've always been a big fan of the, the type of show um, that's, you know, the like the love boat style thing, the, the hotel where you have different people coming in and out every week. Um, and also, I'm just kind of fascinated by hotels in general. So the a show like this about the inner workings of the hotel, it, it follows the uh, concierge and um, bartender and just sort of the, the, the staff that's running this hotel and the stuff that they have to put up with and, and deal with. Um, 
And it, it's kind of more of a, a flashy, slick show. Sometimes it's a little tawdry. But overall, it's mostly just, it's funny. Uh, but there's a nice sense of warmth to it at the core. And it's one of those things where as it went on, it, it did sort of fall apart a little bit, um, I think. But I quite, quite liked it. The, uh, the I think it was the first series is, is actually based on a book of the same name. Um, uh, but it went from 2006 to 2009. And it was BBC One. I looked it up. It's actually the real BBC. And it was just, it was just really cool. I liked the, uh, I liked sort of, you know, putting myself in the shoes of the people who are, who are running this place and having to deal with it. And also then, you know, seeing the the rock stars and crazy actors and stuff, some of whom show up and play themselves, which is another thing that I'm quite fond of. Um, anyway, yeah, it's a good show. I just really enjoy it. Oi, governor. Uh, I can't even do it. Let's take a break and, and do one other sponsor on this episode it is our good friends at lynda.com you've heard me talk about them before let me explain this to you because it's really important we use lynda.com at work Um, we have a site license for it it is so great one of the things that the people i work with always talk about every year when we ask them for their feedback about what makes uh what can make it a better workplace one of the things they say is training i want to learn things i want to be better at my job i want to learn about the stuff that i'm writing about i want to get uh, trained up in the latest cutting edge technology, or I want to improve my skills that are good, but could be better. These things come out and they're natural. This happens to everybody. And it used to be you had to go to like the learning annex or something. Is that still a thing? And you had to uh, find a class at a community college or something like that. And those are all fine, but sometimes that's too much of a barrier. Uh, and that is what prompted the good people at lynda.com to create their site. Lynda.com is a site full of video training. There are more than 2,400 courses, all taught by the experts in the field. These are not amateurs who are trying to read through a script. These are not people down in their basement doing YouTube videos. These are industry experts, more courses added weekly, being shot in Linda's state-of-the-art video studio, so it's well-lit, it's clear, you can understand them because their microphones are all set up properly. There's this amazing technology that Linda has, so you can follow along, you can hop from section to section of each online course, you can get a transcript of what's being said, there are add-on file downloads of sample files, it's just, it's an amazing educational resource. And now you're asking yourself, um, what about? Is this all computery stuff? Well, there's a lot of computery stuff from Microsoft Office, Adobe Creative Cloud, a lot of the Apple Pro apps, Final Cut, Logic. I've said before I used their course on Logic to learn a lot about how to edit the podcast better. Uh, but there's also stuff like iPad for Business. There's Google Docs. There's Keynote training. There's even stuff that goes out from there, like hobby stuff, like photography. There's a new Getting Things Done course if you're worried about uh, productivity. David Allen himself has a Linda course on, on GTD, which is pretty amazing. So improve your professional skills. Learn a new skill. Get better at it. The the courses are at all levels. So you can be an intro person who's just learning, or you could be polishing these super high-end skills that are going to just take you over the top to being a consummate professional at something. They're all there, high quality. You can watch from your computer. You can watch from a tablet or a smartphone. And if you sign up for the premium plan, you can actually download courses uh, to your iPhone or iPad and even watch them offline. Okay, so here's the deal. You can get a seven-day trial that is an access to the complete lynda.com library. So you can check it out. You can see whether it's right for you. You can take a course or two or ten. 
you know, take vacation, stay at home, use lynda.com for seven days. If you really want to, you can do that. Here's where you go. lynda.com slash incomparable. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash incomparable to start your seven-day free trial. L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash incomparable. And thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting the incomparable and for teaching me things on the internet in a pleasant way. I appreciate it. Andy, what what historical detective show do you have for us next? I I, I am out. I, Come on, Endeavor. Ian McShane is a cultural icon. The United <laughs> he should be like a special envoy, envoy to the UN. I will not hear him even his name taken in jest. Um, I will do. I I, I spent a long time talking about Catfile last time, so this is this is going to be a quick one. I, I see. I also saved like the sort of odder ones because I I felt sure someone would take foils foils war, and if I got foils war, and I was sure someone was going to get Catfile, so I need to get both of those out there quickly. Even though it's not a draft, but yes, it's go not, ahead. It's not a dra- well, I just didn't want to step on. I just didn't want to step on anybody else. No, no, no. It's good. Um, so let's, at the at the end, let's let's talk about why why what's a draft and what's not a draft. Yeah, but that, right. that's a separate <laughs> issue. Um, really, really fun sh- uh, show on uh, on of course on BBC, which runs every t- a British TV show uh, called uh, called Penn and Teller Fool Us, and it's it's uh, stars Penn. And, it's like a it's it's uh, it's a show in which a stage show in which uh, magicians perform one magic trick in front of a live audience, including Penn and Teller. And the gamble is that Penn and Teller will watch the trick, given only the information of what they've been able to observe as an audience member. They then, when the trick is over, try to guess how it was done. They get one guess and one guess only. And if they're right, well, everybody's still got to enjoy a magic trick. But if they guessed wrong, then they get the magician gets a free trip to Las Vegas to be the opening act for one show for uh, for the Penn and Teller show in Las Vegas. And it is at times r- really, really funny because you you get to it's it's great to hear you get to really see the gears of especially teller's mind running because he still doesn't talk but he passes notes he's clearly looking at things and the he can ask they can ask one or two simple questions through the host jonathan ross who knows how the trick is done uh but it's the the most satisfying thing is when penn using his you know mr know-it-all voice says well the thing with magic is you did the move so well so well that we almost didn't see you do it but we think that there's something weird about that box. We don't want to reveal it to you. And then they said, no, it has nothing to do with the box. Oh, okay, then I guess you fooled us. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's, if you go on YouTube, you can find lots and lots of these clips. Uh, one, of them is, uh, one of them is particularly good. Uh, there's a car trick reveal in which they were really, really sure what the what the solution was not only were they wrong but the magician also predicted ahead of time i bet he's going to think that there's a gaff or something inside this box and so when they asked him i bet that they when they pointed that out he said you just open the box which there was one car that simply said no that's not it at which point you see teller rise from his seat and start applauding because <laughs> he was so pleased that they got tricked that way so it's uh, so the, the clips are all over youtube they're really really funny i think the cw is the network here is trying to this summer the CW is airing this show on on US TV and so so maybe it's not technically now a British show but it's 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 BBC US BBC Channel eighteen I think that's right it counts it's all BBC 
<laughs> All right, I am going to go next, and I have so many things to choose from. I really don't know what I'm going to say here. Oh, my God. Um, I am going to go with one of my very favorite uh, sitcoms of all time. And um, and yes, this is a sitcom created by um, the current showrunner of TV's Doctor Who. <laughs> wait, wait, TV's Doctor... What is the show you just mentioned? Yeah, it's a it's a it's the sci-fi. Don't worry about it. Um, anyway, but before before Stephen Moffat wrote Doctor Who, um, he wrote one of my very favorite sitcoms, which is called Coupling. It is a show that is that that is configured like um, somebody said. You know that Friends show was really popular in the U.S. We could do a show with that same configuration where it's. Uh, a kind of a nice set and attractive people, which, you know, this seems normal to us uh, Americans, but BBC shows tended not to look like that and tended not to cast like that. And so by all accounts, it looks like a Friends knockoff. But the thing is, at its heart, it's much more farcical. The The scripts are much um, sharper, I would say. And I liked Friends, actually, but it, they're, they're sharper and twistier, um, doing many of the tricks that Stephen Moffat would then later do in Doctor Who, but in sitcom form. Lots of time uh, jumps and cut back, cuts back and forth, and um, some just fantastic dialogue and and rants and uh, very amusing characters, including the great character of Jeff Murdoch, uh, played by Richard Richard Coyle. But honestly, um, all of the characters are in their own special way unique. The fourth season, when Richard Coyle is not, it isn't as good as the first three. But the first three are um, spectacularly funny, and my wife and I will quote lines from Coupling to this day. Um, I really like it. So it don't don't view it as a as a uh, a sitcom, a British sitcom knockoff of American sitcoms. In fact, I'd argue that the scripts have more more in common with uh, Frasier than Friends in that they are of a, a a farcical construction in a way, and much less of a standard sitcom construction and if if there's one episode of a sitcom that you need to watch for a laugh it let it be the girl with two breasts from coupling which is spectacular in its collection of jokes and embarrassment um i can't recommend coupling highly enough available everywhere that videos are available i believe uh dvd now, Jason, i remember watching coupling it was the show on nbc wasn't it oh man <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, what, what Coupling taught us is actually what The Office also taught us, which is don't just take the scripts from the U.S. from the U.K. version and ru- and shoot them <laughs> in the U.S. Because The Office, as soon as they stopped using the U.K. scripts of The Office, was much better. And Coupling was the same way. They they the network completely interfered, and then they just reused Moffat's scripts. And and by the time they started using their own scripts, it was far too late, and it's a shame. But the original uh, U.K. edition is great. Don't let the disastrous U.S. edition fool you so that's my that's my plug uh for coupling let's go let's go back to the top of the order one more time monty what do you have well how about my favorite author pg woodhouse pg woodhouse created a classic created a number of classic series actually but the one most people are aware of is the jeeves and wooster series and they were brought to life by stephen fry and hugh laurie Better than any two people could possibly have done Jeeves and Wooster. Uh, Stephen Fry is perfect as Jeeves. Hugh Laurie, if you don't know him aside from House, be prepared for a surprise, is perfect (laughs) as Bertie Wooster. (laughs) 
the four series of Jeeves and Wooster are perfect adaptations of P.G. Woodhouse stories and are a delight from start to finish. You can also watch Blackadder and a bit of Fry and Lori once you are caught up on Jeeves and Wooster. But I would really start with Jeeves and Wooster and you could just end there. Absolutely seconded. I can't believe I didn't can't believe I didn't think of it myself. I I actually I actually have the Stephen Fry talking Jeeves alarm clock in this in my house right now. <laughs> Ooh. It actually it actually says Good morning, sir. Somehow I missed putting that on my list too. I did have coupling, but yeah, how did I miss that? Good pick, Monty. I don't think either of them have been on Doctor Who. Like Trivial Pursuit, Monty wins. Hooray! <laughs> on British TV, apparently. Good job, good job, Monty. David, what do you have? Uh, I have a show from the creator of Spooks, which we know over here in the U.S. as MI5. MI5. Um, because we don't know what a spook is, apparently. Um, well, we, we, do, we, we do. It's just a horribly racially tinged word <laughs> in parts of the U.S. and so can't be used in TV show titles. Yeah. That too. Uh, well, this is a much more friendly title. Um, it's a show called Hustle, which starred Hooray! Adrian Lester... And Robert Vaughn and Jamie Murray. And it's, it's if you know the show Leverage, uh, or if you remember, if you're crazy enough to remember the show Switch from the mid-70s, uh, it's very much in that vein. It's, it's a group of con artists who swindle those who deserve to be swindled. And, uh, and sometimes they give to the poor. They, they don't necessarily go full Robin Hood all the time. Um, and it is just, you know, again, you know, taking Spycraft as um, using Spycraft as a caper film, kind of the way Mission Impossible does. He takes all the training he had for the show before this and applies it to how would we do these things if we were con artists? And they're just a lot of fun. And uh, it's it's fun to see some of the the again, a lot of actors that you're going to recognize from other things. Uh, just getting to have a little fun. I mean, it, it really is a caper film just every week. So I like that. And Robert Vaughn is delightful. So He is great. Robert Glenister, also fantastic. He was in Case of Androzani back in the old days mm. of Doctor Who. And Mark Warren starred in uh, Love and Monsters. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> very, very good. Hustle. All right. Erica, what do you have? I am overjoyed that David chose Hustle because I had it narrowed down to two things. Oh, my God, what do I talk about next? Hustle was one of them, so check. <laughs> uh, so instead, I get to talk about, uh, I'm going to do a sitcom as well, definitely in a completely different vein from, from Coupling, which, which Jason chose. Mine's a little bit older. Uh, it was from actually 1992, but went on all the way to 2002. As Time Goes By, starring Judy Dench and Jeffrey Palmer. Jeffrey Palmer, who was in Doctor Who not once, but twice. Uh, yeah. And it is just one of the sweetest sitcoms that I think I've ever seen. It's it's a kind of a, a romantic one that follows the relationship between two former lovers who kind of run into each other after having not been in contact for almost 40 years. Uh, they A letter got lost in the mail and they never got back together again and ended up having these completely separate lives and then randomly run into each other 38 years later and 
fall back in love. And it's just this courtship story, and it centers around two people who are much older than what you see as sort of the, certainly these days, the average main characters on a on a television show. And it's it's warm, and it's got so much heart, and it's just about the way families interact. And, you know, the uh, Judy Dench's character has a, a grown-up daughter who also has a friend who comes to live with them. And then so there's, you know, romance of the sort of like younger variety and then the older variety. And it's just it's got these characters that are, you know, kind of wacky sitcom characters, but not so over the top that it bothers me because I have trouble with sitcoms in general. Um, and this one just it really kind of rides that line and just just makes me love it for for all 10 years. Yep. As time goes by. That's good. That's not the show I haven't heard of. I mean, Judy Dench, I think, was known before that, but that is, you know, kind of cemented her place. And I know if Liz is listening to this episode right now, which she probably is, she's screaming at me because she thinks it's a terrible show and says I should not watch it, but she's wrong. <laughs> Judy Dench, of course, not not yet on TV's Doctor Who, but that's okay. She'll be the next Doctor Who probably. So uh, why not? <laughs> yeah. All right. Andy, your turn. What do you have? Okay. Now, imagine imagine a sitcom like Friends, only A, it's British. Number two, they live in circumstances that are quite befitting the amount of money that you would be making if you were making, you know, if you were just didn't really have really jobs at all and had to live, <laughs> live in the city. And third, <laughs> imagine that instead of like uh, like six good-looking people in their 20s, they are Aid Edmondson and Rick Mayall like at age 28, 29, uh-huh. 30, and you would have bottom it is not at all a sophisticated sitcom. It, it really is all about these people like punching, hitting each other in the groin with cricket bats as a resolution to a problem, and dealing not not really dealing with the fact that they have no money, and not really dealing with the fact they have no prospects, not really dealing with the fact that they try to they 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 try to go out to the bars, and all they wind up doing is drinking, 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 drinking. If even if they might have had a larger goal in mind, such as to be even eight percent presentable to women it's just straightforward comedy and just the opening just the opening titles of this show that it really it really sets the tone for it because these two guys uh, these two actors they've they've been working together for since they were kids really you know this is their first like college productions and you just see them sitting together on a park bench with nothing to do and just getting on each other's nerves until once again it's (laughs) there has to be a punch to the groin (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not sophisticated. It's just funny. That's all I'm saying. All right. And we, you, you mentioned Adrian Edmondson and Rick Mayall. So your description would have that you were leading up to would would describe the young ones just as well, which is the college age people with no money. Um, Dear fascist bully boy, give me some money, you bastard. Love, Neil. <laughs> Yes, that's I, I, I've, been, I've been trying to avoid the ones that I think that like I must have talked about before because I'm yeah. such a big fan of Python, such a big fan of the young ones. Uh, but yeah, the, the young ones would be another one. If you have not if you have not seen this before, absolutely seek that one. I just thought it was just so so right out there on the middle shelf that I needed to go with just a one level behind it for for bottom. But I had to feel around for bottom. And if bottom is too organized for you. Watch some of the bottom live performances, <laughs> which are shambolic. <laughs> All right. That's good. Uh, it's my turn to go. I am completely baffled about what to choose. So I'm going to choose the British series that made me 
one, understand that there was an England and it had regions and that people spoke with accents there. And two, made me, gave me the superpower as a young person of being able to understand thick English <laughs> accents and particularly Yorkshire accents. And that is because mm -hmm. my mother and I would spend many hours when I was growing up sitting in front of the TV and watching All Creatures Great and Small, which <laughs> is a wonderful show about uh, small town uh, and countryside veterinarians in the run-up to World War II, I want to say. And uh, Christopher Timothy uh, Peter Davison, who you may know from TV's Doctor Who, is in it. Um, Robert Hardy, <laughs> as well as uh, a Siegfried Farnan. Um, wonderful show. Lots of humor. Very heartwarming. Amu amazingly amusing thick Yorkshire accents. And I love this show so much that the, first, that the first time I went to England, we made a point of going to the town of Thirsk, which is where the real James Harriet, who wrote the novels, had his practice. It's now uh, a James Harriet museum. And we went there, and then we took, took a drive through the Yorkshire Dales and saw all the places really where they shot um, that part of the show. And uh, so I made a point, a show that was made such an indelible impression on me that when, when I went to England for the first time, I had to go see the Yorkshire Dales. It had to be done. <laughs> and those people do talk like that, and it is wonderful. And I actually sort of understood them um, <laughs> because I have spent so much time drinking it. And this is one of those shows that also went on forever, and they would go away for four or five years and then just come back and do more episodes. And, and uh, they went through World War II, and then after World War II, and the cast aged and changed and it was a absolutely wonderful show. The books are great too, but the uh, the series is 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 beautiful. And I think it's all on uh, Netflix as well. So I couldn't couldn't recommend All Creatures Great and Small highly enough. And and featuring a guy named Peter Davison, who you might... TV's Doctor Who. I mentioned that. <laughs> I mentioned that he's on on TV's Doctor Who. He was at one point. Um, also, David Tennant's father-in-law. If you want to go that route, you could do that too. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, so, so uh, we've reached what I'm going to think is the end. But I know that there are many more shows, so I'm going to I'm going to go around one last time and let you unload the rest of your list because I'm sure mm -hmm. you've got more things on your list. Just get them out really quick because I don't want them to not be mentioned. Monty, what did you have left? Uh, all that I have left, and I'm not joking about this, is the Goon Show. Uh, it's a uh, radio show from a million years ago, written by Spike Milligan and starring Spike Milligan, Harry Seacombe, and Peter Sellers as a wide variety of extremely stupid people. It's very catchphrase-based. <laughs> it's very callback-based. It was a huge influence on Monty Python. You can get some episodes, and there's a chance it will make sense to you. If you listen to six or seven in a row, you'll start to enjoy it. It's The Goon Show. Listen to it, I dare you. All right, The Goon Show. That's uh, cleared off your list. David, what did you have left on your list? Oh, man, I still got so many. Uh, I'll just run down a whole bunch. Hello, hello. Faulty Towers. Bless me, Father. From from the... Um, I, I want to I officially... Um, induct Faulty Towers and just put it on the board as the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah. Because really, we should have done that up front and we didn't. So <laughs> there it is. It's, it's retroactively in the Hall of Fame. Don't mention the war. Go ahead. He's from Barcelona. Anyway. Inspectors Morse, Lewis, Endeavor. Um, the Fall, which is all on Netflix and stars Gillian Anderson in a very smart uh, serial killer thriller. Um, Miranda, 
which uh, stars Miranda Hart and is written by Miranda Hart, who most people over here would know from the show Call the Midwife. But uh, if you want to see her being funny, just flat out silly, this is the show. Um, the Hour, which ran for two series and... You know, it stars co-star Dominic West and Ben Wishaw, and with, with basically his real accent, or at least more of a real accent than yes. he had in The Wire. <laughs> which is weird. It's weird to see Jimmy McNulty speak with an English accent, and Romola Garay is in the in the hour, and she is uh, fantastic. Um, and then uh, a, a show that was originally on in the early uh, early seventies, I think, and then they did a remake of it. I prefer the remake. It's called Randall and Hopkirk Deceased which is about two private investigators who are partners and one of them is killed in the first episode and comes back as a ghost. And of course only his partner can see him. And in the remake, uh, they get, they get a little more metaphysical and Tom Baker, who you might know from, well, anyway, uh, he's sort of the spirit guide for the deceased partner and it's nuts. And it's, it's all written by Charlie Higson, who you might know from the fast show or, uh, from his uh, young James Bond novels and other novels for young adults. A um, lot of fun. So I think there are only 12 episodes of that, if you can find it anywhere. Okay, Erica, what do you have on your list left over? Oh, I have a lot as well. Um, I have uh, Neverwhere, the uh, Neil Gaiman um, uh, miniseries from the 90s, starring uh, Peter Capaldi, <laughs> later to be TV's Doctor Who. Um, is Patterson Joseph in that? And Patterson Joseph, who was almost TV's Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, you can you can see Patterson Joseph currently in The Leftovers on HBO, by the way. He is great in it. It's a really creepy performance, but it's fantastic. And that's number Wang. Go ahead. <laughs> He's so good. He's so good. Neverwhere was the first thing I saw him in, and I just completely fell in love with him as the Marquis de Carabas. Um, I also have, I don't know if this should be on the board already, but Red Dwarf. I don't know if that qualifies. Um, oh, yeah. That show I love. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I'm kind of surprised nobody else took that. Uh, if we were going for most influential in my life, <laughs> that would be up there. Um also, New Street Law, which is just kind of your basic legal show, you know, the defense versus the prosecution with, with some, you know, background stuff between the lawyers. It stars John Hanna, and I love John Hanna, so um, that was one that I quite enjoyed. Saw that one on Netflix. Uh, Broadchurch, which uh, just aired on BBC um, and is now going to be remade as Grace Point, also starring David Tennant. He was TV's Doctor Who, you know. Um, and-, and now he's going to have a fake American accent. <laughs> Yes, but it's not as bad as his Rex is not your lawyer accent. His Chicago accent was terrible. This one seems like it's going to be better. Yeah, that was bad. Um, also, Sapphire and Steel, which is just like the cuckoo banana pants crazy series, which I still have not finished yet. I'm only one episode in, but I love it so far. Um, and it's got David McCallum and Joanna Lumley as Sapphire and Steel. And it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's They're probably intergalactic beings of some sort, but I'm not sure yet. So we'll see. Uh, Life on Mars, starring uh, the master from TV's Doctor Who, John Sim, um, as a guy who in present day gets hit by a car and then wakes up in its 1973, I think. And he doesn't know if he's time traveled or if he's dead or what the deal is. And it's fascinating. Yeah, Philip Glenister, fantastic in that as the gov, by the way. And uh, what a great salute to 70s cop shows is Life on Mars. In addition to the sci-fi element, it's fantastic also creepy uh creepy test pattern girl with balloons yeah 
scary. Yes, and a great soundtrack. <laughs> the, the music in that show is fantastic as well. Um, I also had... I also had Luther, which is, I think, Idris Elba at his best. He is just fantastic um, as, a, you know, it's a British psychological crime drama. Yes. Yeah, so also with his own accent, not the one he does in The Wire. <laughs> yes. Um, so I love Luther. I still haven't seen the last, the most recent series. Apparently there's there's not going to be another one, but they're making a movie. Um, but it was uh, created by Neil Cross, who wrote a couple episodes of Doctor Who. Including a very good one and a very bad one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends on how you look at it. I thought it was a very good one and one that I also liked. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Uh, and then I also have Blackadder on my list, um, which is uh, Rowan Atkinson's show. Blackadder! Yeah, so you got to throw the black adder in there. Uh, so then the next one is, as promised, Blake 7, which was created by Terry Nation, creator of the Daleks, uh, which ran concurrently with Doctor Who and shared a lot of the same sets and costumes and actors. <laughs> uh, so that's a that's a fun one. And I just like it. It's it's a very, you know, it's a bunch of rogues, you know, bad guys from the wrong side of the tracks banding together to become good guys. It's kind of like Firefly in, mm. in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. Uh, I also have the British The Office, the original Office, which you mentioned earlier, which... Um, <laughs> You're taking all my shows here. And last but certainly not least, um, to, to finish off the Derek Jacobi quotient, I, Claudius, um, because you, you know, you, you got to have a little bit of, of uh, British, you know, um, British, it's basically a filmed stage play, um, but it's, it's just wonderful. And you get the, you know, Roman machinations and, you know, almost everybody on that show was on Doctor Who at one time or another from <laughs> Brian Blessed to Derek Jacobi to John Hurt. Patrick Stewart, who you would know from a show. Oh, wait. From, from, from not, not from Doctor Who. Yeah. I think all of the emperors on, uh, on i claudius were on doctor who and may have even played the doctor in some form or another it's pretty interesting (laughs) so yes that is my list sorry for stealing all your shows jason very nice i'll just mention them again when it's my turn andy it's your turn what do you have left that you want to just get out (laughs) before we go my my lightning round uh sean the sheep which is a spin-off spin-off kid series from the wallace and gromit people and but it's not a kid series it's it's like 10 minutes shorts of course no dialogue and it's just funny funny like visual comedy uh I just it's like i again another another one of those binge watch things where god oh, damn it i've watched two and now i have to now i have to spend the rest of the my, the rest of the day watching every one of these because they're just so funny um another series called uh uh, Poshnosh, another series of, like little eight-minute videos. Uh, they're parodies of the most pretentious cooking shows you can possibly imagine with these two incredibly snooty hosts. Favorite line of dialogue, I've never forgotten it, which is like what, for one recipe, uh, they, 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 they set it up by saying, now at your local gourmet shop, there are any number of pretentious, over overpriced, snooty gourmet vinegars. Any one of those will do for this recipe. Yeah. Uh, keeping up appearances, which I thought was sort of must be on already on the free space because everybody's always heard about it on on PBS. But I still I still can always watch it because I love the character of Hyacinth, this middle class English woman who, in her mind, is absolutely upper class, and for that reason, she annoys everybody in her life: her family, her neighbors, her husband everybody but the great thing the, the very british thing about this comedy is that everybody around her as annoyed as they are about her realize that if 
she is so fragile on this point that if if you were to say to her, look, you're you come from really humble beginnings. You are definitely middle class. You're fine, but you have no connection to royalty or everything that's great about England. She would just be destroyed. And so they walk on eggshells around her. Um, second to last is going to be Markham and Wise, uh, the, the best 1970s comedy variety act ever. The specials that uh the Christmas specials particularly, there's an hour-long BBC radio documentary about them in which everybody talking about it is saying that, look, as a kid, my Christmas was either, was either good or bad depending on the Markham and Wise Christmas special. And even the writers for that show and the performers were intimidated by this Super Bowl-level TV event every year that as they're doing the series over the year, if, if a sketch was really, really good, they'd say, no, let's save that for the Christmas show. And they would do things like they would get like all the newsreaders from BBC to do a musical number from South Pacific. <laughs> and it's just it's – just- it's just this most amazing thing. And also just the, 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 the way that these two guys work together, you imagine that you can see that the 20 years that they worked together before that, that fed into their just abil- ability to perform as one single organism on the show. And the last one is this show that I just discovered on YouTube. I'm, it must have fallen into public domain because that's the only reason why the entire series would be posted on YouTube in its entirety. Robbie Coltrane hosts a educational slash documentary series called Coltrane's Planes and Automobiles. Uh, it's like six episodes, and every half, hour, every half hour episode is just him talking about a different development in the development of, like the, of, of, of engines. And so the first episode, he's going to talk all about steam engines. The second episode, is going to talk about gasoline engines. Then there's, there's the two-stroke engine. Then there's the diesel engine. And it's just the sort of thing where you can imagine this is what you pitch to like a, a United States executive when you really want to make the point that, look, I, my, my, my agent forced me to take this meeting. I really don't want to be running a, doing a TV show in the United States. But when you see how well that this show is done, I realize that, oh, I really was interested in in learning how a diesel engine works. Oh, I really was interested to see how easy it is to take a, a two cylinder engine out of a turbot. Well, any hand four hand tools that it takes twenty minutes for Robbie Coltrane. Oh, isn't that interesting? Uh, so all all the entire series is is up on YouTube. Uh, and I, I that was another one of those things where it was okay. Let's let's fire up the YouTube downloader and make sure we have all these episodes <laughs> in, in the queue for future reading because it was just so entertaining. All right. Um... These are all great. I'm going to throw in a few more. Uh, Erica mentioned Broadchurch, which is very sad, but very good. That's also Chris Chibnall, who did Torchwood and some Doctor Who. Um, but so since that was taken, I'm going to mention Blackpool, which starred David Morrissey and David Tennant. Um, David Tennant in a very similar role, actually, to Broadchurch, although this is a wild show. You may know this because it was remade as as a Viva Laughlin starring Hugh Jackman on CBS, <laughs> and it was terrible, but the original is fantastic. It's like a jukebox musical. Um, they sing, and the music is playing in the background to like Elvis songs and a bunch of other songs. and So it's a murder mystery musical family drama. It is a bizarre combination, but you know what? It's fantastic. David Tennant and Sarah Parrish, who was the crazy, weird Spider Woman in that Christmas episode of Doctor Who, but her chemistry in this with David Tennant is much better than it was in that episode of Doctor Who. David Morrissey does a fantastic performance. Um, the the um, it, I, I can't recommend the, this show highly enough. You should definitely check out Blackpool, or as it's usually called in the U.S., Viva Blackpool. 
very very good weird though just so weird with the music don't let the music turn you off you get into it after a while when they're singing along to songs and stuff and it actually becomes kind of emotionally affecting so highly recommend blackpool um we mentioned it earlier peter serafinowitz's bizarre kind of educational training uh films as tv sitcom (laughs) called look around you um it it is it is like nothing you have ever seen other than a, maybe a movie in your math class in elementary school and it is hilariously good. The first season is much more like instructional videos. Um the second season is basically lost episodes of a 1980s computer show and they are bizarre and hilarious and um if you've ever wondered uh where the word maths comes from, the answer is it's an it's an acronym for nonsense uh but you can look that up on youtube a lot of good clips from look around you on youtube but definitely worth checking out uh i mentioned spy the sitcom which i actually got turned on to by lisa schmeiser on an episode of the incomparable it's a fun actually a family sitcom about a guy who ends up becoming a spy accidentally and then he's he's a he's a divorced dad and the his son is actually more on the ball than he is and it's uh wacky and zanian and that's on hulu and is uh current and very funny um i'll throw out a shout out to ashes to ashes which is the sort of sequel to life on mars if you like miami vice and other 80s cop shows it does for the 80s what life on mars did for the 70s um since erica mentioned the office i will mention extras which sometimes i think is maybe a better show than the office i don't know it's certainly less painful to watch in the ricky gervais um genre of sitcom and then i want to put uh i want to put in a good word for james burke's documentary series connections from the late 70s oh, yeah. oh, which yes. is one of the most amazing things i've ever seen everybody's like oh yeah where literally he will tell you this story <laughs> that this this anecdote that seems completely um unimportant and then he will spend an hour connecting how the fact that this merchant in uh, the netherlands in 1540 discovering a new way to bond silver on to a plate leads through a series of steps to the creation of the atomic bomb. And every week it's like that, where it's like, what, how, huh? How is that possible? It's amazing stuff. So I remember my mind being blown by that on PBS in the 70s. And that's, that was a BBC documentary series. So that's my list. Jason, before we end, can I add one that I realized I forgot? Monty, you're, this is your reprieve. Go for it. The Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes is the most accurate Sherlock Holmes ever put on screen. Great Sherlock Holmes. I love Sherlock, but Sherlock is not faithful so much as it's a modern reinterpretation. The Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes is like the Sherlock Holmes. It's the ultimate, yeah. I like Johnny Lee Miller. I like Benedict Cumberbatch. I like Robert Downey Jr. But they're not really as Sherlocky as Jeremy Brett was. I agree. I agree. You could almost put that one up on the board, too, of the givens, but I'm glad you mentioned it. All right, and that means we've reached the end for now. Um, I'm sure there are more British TV shows. I'm sure the BBC will continue to produce programs with P-R-O-G-R-A-M-M-E-S for us (laughs) in the future on all their channels, including those not named BBC. Thanks, BBC. All right, and uh, and we hope we've given you a taste of, uh, for you you people who are not in England, a taste of English TV that you should seek out. And for those of you who are in Great Britain, England, the United Kingdom, and all other names that you have for that little uh, country of yours, we apologize because we're stupid <laughs> North Americans and we don't know what we're talking about, obviously. So I'd like to thank my fellow American and North American guests, Erica Ensign, uh, an American now, now a North American Always a North American, I guess. I have to specify Canada, 
you're under the cruel yoke of the queen, so I hope you haven't gotten in trouble tonight. <laughs> I hope not. You know, we do have our own BC. It's just it's the CBC instead of the BBC. Yeah, yeah. That sounds a little more like the uh, a government agency will come and give you a shot when uh, <laughs> you're in, to inoculate you against the zombie apocalypse. The CBC. It sounds like that to me. But thank you for being here with your Doctor Who knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. How much can we talk about Doctor Who without talking about Doctor Who? I think we found out tonight. It's a lot. <laughs> Monty, Ashley, thank you for being here. Thank you, uh, mate. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Australian shows are coming later. <laughs> David Lore, thank you for being here. Cheerio and toodle pip. Oh, all right. All right, Governor. Thank you. And and Andy and Otko, thank you. Jason it was certainly a real pleasure to talk to you on this podcast. That, that was me doing an English BBC actor trying to do an American <laughs> accent. It sounded like a robot. Hey. <laughs> it, it was much more like a robot, but yes, it was quite good. A British robot trying to do an American accent. By the way, <laughs> by the way if, you want, if you want to see a really great, terrible uh, American accent by an English actor, check out Nicola Bryant in, in Doctor Who. Um, she, got the, she apparently uh, auditioned for the part of the American companion claiming she was American, and they seem to have believed her, which is hilarious when you realize that she has no idea what an American accent is. And the best <laughs> part of her role is at one point she uses the phrase, don't let's, don't let's start. And it's like, no. That's not a thing American or Americans say, but <laughs> it was too late. She had the job, and she was attractive enough, so they just let her keep it. So bad, bad <laughs> fake American accents, very bad. Take that, UK. Mm-hmm. Ha ha. We we have the last laugh. <laughs> you have all the good actors, but some of them can't do accents. And then there's Hugh Laurie who puts us all to shame. All right. Well, that wraps up our British television episode thank you to everybody out there for listening stay tuned to the bbc however you get it and all of its various many channels and uh we'll see you next time uh i, I keep wanting to say something like ahoy which is not even an english thing what do, <laughs> what do they what do they say what do the english say when they say goodbye stay tuned for another episode of the archers cheers god save the queen i'm sure that's it Incomparable t-shirts are back on sale. Choose from the Incomparable Logo t-shirt, or the Syracusa, the Incomparable Zeppelin, now floating on a pleasing, foggy, gray tri-blend, and the new Total Party Kill shirt, which is a Black Rock concert shirt with a TPK dragon on the front, and a really cool piece of art inspired by our podcast from Owly artist Andy Runton on the back. Check them all out at theincomparable.com slash shirt. And if you don't order by August 22nd, you will be sad forever, or at least until the next time we sell shirts. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed us praising your shows for the last hour and a half. Now here's some abuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, and if you have a problem with it, I'd like to refer you to our episode about 1776. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Take that. I hope I didn't get you in trouble with the queen there, Erica. She might come and get you. She's it's listening to the live stream. She usually is. She's very angry. All right, that was fun. There's a lot of good English TV out there. How about that? On the BBC.